Welcome back to Assessment is Elementary and Secondary. I'm your host, Jennifer Ruth. Today we're continuing our series, Assessment 101, the course I wish that I had had in college. Today's episode is a continuation of our last episode about assessment vocabulary. So let's dive into part two. All right, now I am super excited to talk to you all about percentages and percentiles. It is entirely possible I have done this entire podcast series just to have this conversation about percentages and percentiles. I really have always wanted to talk about these terms because I often hear them used interchangeably, even by very educated people. However, percentages and percentiles are very different. The percentage in an assessment typically refers to the proportion of items that a student answers correctly. For example, a student answered 8 out of 10 items correctly, so they answered 80% of the items correctly. The percentage only represents how many items that that student got right on that test. It has nothing to do with comparing his results to other students. Percentile ranks, or percentiles, compare one student to other students. Now, I'm going to need you to create your own mental image again for this one. Imagine you have 100 students who all took the same assessment, and each student got a different score. Then imagine you line up all the students in order of their score. The student with the highest score is on the far right, and the student with the lowest score is on the far left. If you count up from the lowest student all the way up to 80, you will find a student who is 20 students away from the front of the line. This student is in the 80th percentile rank. This means he scored above 80% of the students in this group. You could also say that only 20% of students scored above this particular student. The fact that he is in the 80th percentile rank does not tell you anything about how many items he got right or whether he passed or failed. It only tells you that compared to other students, this student did very well. Percentile rank is calculated using large data sets. You would not rank the students in just your class. That's too small of a sample size. Percentile ranks are typically calculated using samples from students all across the country taking the same assessment. That would be a nationally normed group. More about norms in a moment. Imagine again the students who are in this line from the lowest score to the highest score. But this time, look at the child right in the middle. This student in the middle of this line is at the 50th percentile rank. Remember our bell curve from the last episode? This position in the middle is the average result. So a student whose assessment score puts him at the 50th percentile rank is considered average. This does not mean the student answered 50% of the items correctly. It has nothing to do with the percent of items correct. It is comparative. It means that half the students scored above this particular student and half of the students scored below him.
This is why it's important not to use the terms percentile and percentage interchangeably. If a student has 50% on a test, that's not good. But if a student scored at the 50th percentile rank, on the other hand, this is a good thing. They are right where they should be. It's important to understand the difference between percentile and percentage so we can interpret the results correctly and also so we can communicate the results to parents very clearly. We used the mean or average earlier when talking about normal distribution. Now we're going to talk about median. Tell this to your fifth graders when they complain that they don't really need to know mean, median, or mode in real life. Median percentile rank is sometimes reported on assessments. Median refers to the middle value in a set of numbers, just like the median is the stretch of grass in the middle of the road. Let's say for a particular assessment, each student in the grade is given a percentile rank score based on how they performed compared to others in a nationally normed group. Depending on the makeup of that grade level or campus, you may have mostly high percentile rank scores, mostly low percentile rank scores, or you may even have a big mix of scores with extreme highs and lows. If you took all the percentile ranks for each of the students in the grade level and arranged them from highest to lowest, the percentile rank of the middle student is the median. The median percentile rank will be different depending on the group of students who are in your sample, whether that be a grade, a class, or a school. But that median would tell you a lot about the makeup of that group of children. Let's say in a fourth grade, the median percentile rank on an assessment was at the 80th. That means that in fourth grade, half of the students were above the 80th percentile rank and half of the students were below that percentile rank. We know that it's half above and half below because median is right in the middle. So this would tell us that this particular group of fourth graders is very high performing. Now there may be some very low performers mixed in this group, but in general, the grade as a whole is academically high. On the other hand, if the median percentile rank for the seventh grade was at the 50th, that means that half of the students scored above the 50th percentile rank and half scored below it. So we can interpret from this that this seventh grade example is about average. In general, they were right about where they should be. The seventh grade group may have low performing students and high performing students, but it would be accurate to say that this grade level as a whole is average. When you're interpreting data, you can look at all of the students together or you can sort the data in many different ways to make sure you don't miss any important patterns. We often analyze data by grade, by teacher, and by special program or ethnicity. You can also analyze the data by sorting students based on their starting score. For example, we can take all the eighth graders and place them in order by their fall assessment score. Then divide the students into four equal groups based on that fall score. You would have a high group, a high average group, a low average group, and a low group. When you divide your data sorted by score into four equal groups, it's called quartiles. If you divide your data sorted by score into five equal groups, it's called quintiles. The benefit of quintiles over quartiles is that you have a middle group or an average group. So how is this helpful for analysis? If we only analyze the data for an entire grade or campus altogether, 
it may mask or hide some issues that we need to address. For example, you may see that the entire grade level overall is showing good growth from assessment to assessment. But are the highest kids in particular growing? Are the lowest kids in particular growing? Are the lowest kids growing as much as they need relative to the fact that they need to grow more in order to catch up? If you only look at the entire grade level, the growth of one group of students may cover the lack of growth in another group. In large data sets, you may also sometimes see the students divided into 10 equal groups called deciles, but that does not happen very often. The term norms is short for normative scores. Normative scores refer to the samples of test takers who represent the group of students for whom the test is intended. The goal is to identify what a normal performance on a specific test would be like. Normative scores are like a sample set. Samples of what that test should do in performance in order to see what normal performance should look like. Now I'm pretty sure there's room in here for a joke about norms and norm from Cheers, so feel free to insert your own joke here. In the same way that looking at percentile ranks helps us to compare one student's scores to others, and that gives us context for what that score really means, norms give us a normal or an expectation to compare our scores to. This context is critical for interpreting the data. How do you know if a score is good or not? Is this expected or not? Importantly, test norms can only be developed for tests that are standardized. When I say standardized, you need to put to the side any negative connotations you have for that word. A standardized test is a test with specific directions and testing procedures that are administered the same way every time the test is given. The test has a standard way of being administered. If test items, directions, and procedures are not identical, then the test events can't be compared to each other. In an earlier episode, we talked about norm reference test as opposed to criterion reference test. On a criterion reference test, all the items have a right or wrong answer, and the scores represent a number correct out of a perfect score. In a criterion reference test, there's a minimum number correct to pass, but there's no pass or fail on a norm reference test. Instead, your score is compared to a normal score based on a normative group. That normative group is a sample of others who've taken that same assessment to find out what normal is. Okay, so I think that's enough vocabulary for this week. Let's give our brains a rest for now. Thank you for joining me on Assessment is Elementary and Secondary. If you have any questions or comments on today's episode, please message me. If you have any thoughts on future topics, please share those as well. Join us next time for the final chapter on Assessment Vocabulary. We will explore the heavy hitters of variability and reliability. Mm -hmm.